0: 97.1 FM, The Drive, presents the Behind the Song Podcast, taking you deeper into classic rock's most timeless tunes. Here's your host, Janda. The entire first side of the album is a collection of hits. It took years to make, hard years, in which a crucial producer temporarily left the scene due to exhaustion and a horrifying accident happened that took the drummer's arm. It was one of the most expensive albums ever produced at the time, reportedly needing to sell at least five million copies just to break even on recording costs. But when it was released in the late summer of 1987, Def Leppard's Hysteria did that and much more. In an album of hits, only one song went to number one in the US, a song that started out as a country tune written largely by Mutt Lang, the producer who would become synonymous with the band's biggest successes. Love Bites became a monster hit, a love ballad, of course, on an album that is truly a triumph, cobbled together like Frankenstein's monster in a painstakingly long process through obstacle after obstacle, a country song that the band never even played through in its entirety in the same room together until after it became their biggest hit. If you like this episode, give it a like at the end, and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. To say that the making of the entire Hysteria album would have seemed an insurmountable task would be the truth. After their breakthrough third album, Pyromania, was released in 1983, their second with Mutt Lang as producer, the band were a bona fide success with hits like Photograph that cemented the band's signature glam metal pop sound. They had come a long way since forming as teenagers in the late 70s in Sheffield, England, which is about 170 miles north of London. And it didn't come without a cost for the band. During the recording of Pyromania, original guitarist Pete Willis was fired due to his drinking, replaced by Phil Collin the next day. This new formation with original members Joe Elliott on lead vocals and Rick Savage on bass, along with Steve Clark on guitar and Rick Allen on drums, became the five piece that the world first saw of Def Leppard when Photograph replaced Michael Jackson's Beat It as the number one most requested video on MTV. Def Leppard or Riding High. And fair to note that they were all around 20 years old when this level of success came their way, except for Rick Allen, who was just 19. But they were in for a set of challenges that they could not have foreseen, especially given how young they all were at the time. Tragedy would soon come calling in a big way. First of all, Mutt Lang dropped out of working on the follow-up album shortly after pre-production began. He cited exhaustion as the reason, having worked nonstop in the previous years, including on Pyromania. And it's no wonder that he was exhausted. He had gone from producing ACDC's Highway to Hell and Back in Black in 1979 and 1980, respectively, then immediately on to producing Four by Foreigner in 1981, and then on to producing both High and Dry and Pyromania with Def Leppard. And he isn't a passive producer, a teetotaler with a fierce work ethic and a gifted bass player and singer in his own right. He got his start producing R&B bands in his native South Africa and is known for demanding long hours in the studio, redoing material until it is absolutely perfect to his ear and not accepting anything but the best from the musicians that he works with. His long list of successful albums, including that of his ex-wife Shania Twain's Come On Over, which is one of the most successful crossover pop country albums of all time, is testament to that. But by 1983, he had to step away from the studio after previous years spent working nonstop. And so Def Leppard were left to find another producer to work with them on the follow-up to their breakthrough album. They hired Jim Steinman, the songwriter who worked with Meatloaf to produce that album, but it quickly became apparent that he was not a fit and did not share the band's vision, so he was fired. They then tried to produce it themselves, but that didn't work at all. Meanwhile, all this time in the studio didn't come free, and costs were adding up. In fact, it all looked pretty bleak for Def Leppard when the unimaginable happened the car crash that took drummer Rick Allen's arm. On New Year's Eve in 1984, Allen was driving his Corvette with his girlfriend on a country road just a few miles west of Sheffield, and he lost control driving at high speed around a hairpin turn. He hit a stone wall and crashed into a nearby field. During the crash, his left arm was severed. Surgeons tried to reattach it, but infection set in and it did have to be amputated. Rick Allen was just 21 years old at the time. A drummer in one of the biggest bands in the world, about to make the follow-up to their breakthrough album, and he had lost an arm. Unbelievable. By all accounts, the other members of Def Leppard never once considered bringing another drummer on full-time to replace Allen after the accident, after he made it clear that he was determined to continue to play drums for the band. If there's one thing you have to say for Def Leppard and for Rick Allen, it's that they always figure it out. He began his rehab process after the accident and then began working to learn how to play drums in a new way, using a hybrid drum kit that can trigger electronic drum sounds using just his feet. It shows amazing tenacity and determination and the rest of the band described the moment they first saw him play again as very emotional. He played Led Zeppelin's When the Levee Breaks to show the rest of Def Leppard that he could do it using the new hybrid drum kit. And there was reportedly not a dry eye in the rehearsal space after he was done. So the band continued working on the new album, slow as it went, and as uncertain as their future was. Then in 1985, Mutt Lang reappeared and said he was ready to pick up where he left off and he brought them a song to boot. Going back to his first love, country music, which admittedly seems odd given his ability to make groundbreaking hard rock albums, he had written a song about a dysfunctional love affair in a style that would have been well-suited to somebody who sang with a twang. In fact, Joe Elliott and the rest of Def Leppard had no idea what to really do with Love Bites at first. But again... There is a tenacity about this band that must have appealed to Lang's own work ethic. And together, they figured this out, too. Recording the song happened in bits and pieces, with a vocal happening here and a guitar solo happening there, never with all five members in the studio at the same time. Mutt Lang himself provided the backing vocals on the song. And there's even a little controversy over what's being said at the very end of the song, which is, again, Mutt Lang. Immediately painting a picture of someone who loves someone else in a very dysfunctional way. Love Bites goes like this. When you make love, do you look in the mirror? Who do you think of? Does he look like me? Do you tell lies and say that it's forever? Do you think twice or just touch and see? And then the second verse. When you're alone, do you let go? Are you wild and willing or is it just for show? And on to the bridge. I don't want to touch you too much, baby. Making love to you might drive me crazy. I know you think that love is the way you make it. So I don't want to be there when you decide to break it. And then the chorus, chronicling the inverse of the upside of love. Love bites. Love bleeds. It's bringing me to my knees. Love lives. Love dies. It's no surprise. Love begs. Love pleads. It's what I need. And with that lyric, it's what I need. All the dysfunction comes crashing into focus. This is a masochistic tale, a vampire victim kind of love story, and it goes on. When I'm with you, are you somewhere else? Am I getting through? Do you please yourself? When you wake up, will you walk out? It can't be love if you throw it about. And then the bridge and the chorus repeats, and the line, It's all I need, is repeated again, after which the song fades. And during the fade, a robotic voice is saying what some say sounds like, Jesus of Nazareth, go to hell. The band have adamantly debunked this bit of satanic panic, and explained that it's in fact Mutt Lang, muttering into a vocoder, synthesizing his voice while he says, yes it does, bloody hell. So what started out as a little country song on an acoustic guitar, something Def Leppard thought sounded like the Eagles, turned into a power ballad and their biggest hit. Their only song to go to number one on the charts in the US. Not bad for a band from Sheffield, England, with the help of a superstar producer from South Africa. Go figure. Somewhere along the way, during the recording of Hysteria, Joe Elliott got the mumps too. Another challenge that he and subsequently the band had to overcome. And there was a little wrinkle that they had to figure out with the success of Love Bites. Because it was such an undeniable hit, it became clear that the band would have to play it live in concert. They had to rehearse how to do that, given how the recording of the song was pieced together by Mutt Lange in the studio, with each member as well as Lange providing his own part at different intervals. But in their workmanlike way, they figured that out too. It's now a staple of every Def Leppard concert, as it should be. Mutt Lange and Def Leppard would eventually part ways after Hysteria but it was to be their biggest success together and their second album together, along with Pyromania, to be certified diamond platinum in the US, each selling over 10 million albums in the States. They've sold over 100 million albums worldwide over their career. But another tragedy would soon strike the band a few years after the release of Hysteria. Guitarist Steve Clark died of alcohol poisoning before the release of their fifth album, 1992's Adrenalize. His bandmates had tried to intervene with him about his addiction to alcohol, even getting him to go to rehab. But he left before completing it and resumed his ways. He was on a leave of absence from the band when he was found unresponsive on his couch in January of 1991 at 30 years old a lethal mixture of alcohol and prescription drugs in his system. Vivian Campbell joined the band as his replacement in 1992. Clark was posthumously inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a member of Def Leppard when the band were inducted in 2019. Former member Pete Willis was also inducted. Brian May of Queen did the honors at the ceremony. Def Leppard are one of the most successful of the new wave of British heavy metal bands. A band with a special blend of hard rock and pop and glam. Themselves inspired by artists ranging from David Bowie and T-Rex to Led Zeppelin and The Beatles. And they've been cited as an influence for artists both in and out of the rock world, including Taylor Swift. And of course, If you're just listening to the lyrics in Def Leppard songs, you're missing the point. Their music is meant to be enjoyed loud, a perfect cross-section of slick, poppy studio magic and rock sensibility. A -a one-of-a-kind band that took the concept of glam metal to new heights. A tenacious group of Englishmen who typify what the English call the bulldog breed, who keep calm and carry on and rocked the world with their infectious, perfect songs. I'm Janda, and this has been Behind the Song. Special thanks, as always, to Christian Lane for the music on these podcast episodes. If you like it, don't forget to hit subscribe and check them out on TikTok on the Behind the Song podcast TikTok channel. You can find me on the air in Chicago on the drive weekdays from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Central Time, or you can stream it at WDRV.com. And on the way, much more classic rock and roll.